And good morning, everyone. Welcome into a brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. My name is Steve Cashel. So happy to be joined this week, subbing for Dr. Brian Cole is Dr. Chuck Bush Joseph, long time head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, also a team physician with the Chicago Bulls, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Dr. Chuck, how are you? I'm fine, Steve. Thanks. Happy to be back and always enjoy the Saturday morning conversation with you and our listeners. I appreciate you filling in this week for Dr. Brian. This is great. Um, We're going to start, Dr. Chuck, if you don't mind talking about uh, something from the Bears game last week. Not specifically the Bears game, but it was a big story that Matthew Stafford the Detroit Lions quarterback, was out. And what startled me, Dr. Chuck, was that when I heard, okay, first we heard it was soreness in his back, some sort of back injury, then later reported as fractured bones in his back. You hear fractured bones, and you're going, what are fractured bones in Matthew Stafford's back? It sounds like an injury that would keep him out forever. You know, Steve, I can tell you, it is pretty scary when when the average uh, uh, listener hears something like that fractured spine. But I would sort of differentiate that. There's two types you know, if we say that the spinal column is made up of a bunch of little bones that are held together by discs, and there's the structural element of the spine that envelops our spinal cord, and certainly any damage or fracture of that structural element of the spine that protects the spinal cord would be very serious, something that, you know, clearly would, uh, you know, major high-risk injury. But there's these little projections off of each of the spinal segments called the transverse processes or one going straight out the back called the spinous process. And they're really more like little paddles that come off of the bone. And those paddles serve as actually origins where the spinal muscles actually come off of and attach back to. So a fracture of the spinous process or the transverse process, which I think would happen in Matt Stafford's case, is a really painful but not a serious injury. And that's why actually Matt actually had a similar injury to this about a year and a half ago and actually was able to play through it. Word has it this year that he's got several of the transverse processes that were injured, usually with a direct blow. It's a helmet right into the back. And our quarterbacks nowadays are padded up as well as they can, but they still have some soft spots. And if they take that helmet right below the pad line, just over away from the, from the kidney region, this can happen to him. And it's a painful injury. It's almost like a baseball player tearing an oblique. You can't turn and rotate with this kind of an injury. So while it sounds really scary, it's more of a condition that we're treating based on pain and function. Now, in Matt's case, there's nobody tougher than Matt Stafford. He had an injury his first year, I think back in 2009 or 10, but he had the second longest, I think second or first longest playing streak of active quarterbacks in the NFL. So it tells you that in this case, Matt Stafford was pretty sore, really thought he did not have the ability to throw the ball effectively. And I think the Lions prudently said, listen, our season's not going like we want. This is not the time to sort of stress the situation. Let's get him healed up for the stretch run. Yeah, they said after that Bears loss last Sunday, they probably have to win seven in a row now to help to make the playoffs, and that team is not winning seven in a row. No, it's not. <laughs> it. You know, and, and if you think about it, it's an outdoor game, hostile environment. The Bears-Lions uh, games are generally pretty physical games. Neither team is overly athletically uh, talented from an offensive perspective right now, so lots of plenty of hits, so. Final question on the Matthew Stafford back injury. Fractured bones in his back. What's the treatment for that? You know, really similar to an oblique injury in a baseball player. It's honestly just rest. 
And so, you know, usually it's a period of rest and anywhere from one to three weeks until a soreness and local tenderness settles down. And then we start some light aerobic activity. And sorry, can I start break into a light jog? And are you having pain and soreness with rotational movements? If you tolerate that, you get class, get through step two, then we start the throwing motion. And can he handle the throwing motion? Can he make that out throw or that long down field throw? And then the third and final segment, which is the difficult one, can you take contact in that area? Last thing they want is a quarterback on the field making a long throw, ribs exposed, transverse process exposed, takes another helmet to the sh- helmet to the low back, and then all of a sudden he's out again for more of an extended period of time. So it's our standard stepwise return to play criteria, no different than anything else. All right, what about the Bears? And, uh, boy, the defense has just taken some shots this year. Two of their best players, Akeem Hicks goes out a number of weeks ago with an elbow, and now Danny Trevathan in last Sunday's game against the Lions. That was a gruesome injury as uh, some sort of contact to the ground uh, allows, unfortunately, the elbow to be bent backwards. You know, I have to tell you, the Bears uh, last year, certainly in the 2018-19 season, we had a fabulous defense. But the reason we had a fabulous defense is because we had such strong talent but nobody got hurt. Yeah. You know, we had a, you know, we lost Khalil Mack for maybe just a couple of games, but this year, unfortunately, we've got hit with some significant serious injuries and certainly the injury to uh, you know, Akeem Hicks, a similar elbow injury where they, again, the elbow's a small joint and it's got reliant on ligaments and then if those ligaments are damaged, that's a 8 to 10 week type of affair and obviously that's the same fear we have with Danny Trevathan. And more critical in a defensive player than an offensive player. You know, defenders, they need their hand, their wrists, their elbows because they're grabbing and clutching. Whereas if you're an offensive lineman, you buck up, bowl the elbows in, get your hands inside, and just try to lay into somebody and move them with your shoulders. Whereas a defender, their hands and their arms are their tools for their trade. Uh, I'm not really sure how bad this is going to be, but I I suspect it's going to be a little while. This is not a short-term injury. I know you weren't the doctor on the scene, but... If you see a dislocation like that, what is the immediate treatment? I mean, is it is it to move it back into place? That's obviously uh, number one. Number one, you got to get that joint back relocated. Do they do that in the locker room or typically so? The okay. Bears have outstanding medical facilities. Their team physicians, Gordon Uber, Mark Bowen, very experienced orthopedic surgeons. They know how to handle a situation, and really, they're equipped in the locker room to do virtually anything that's done in an emergency room. And certainly if, if with appropriate sedation or local anesthesia that the joint can't be reduced, yes, then on an emergent basis, the patient's taken into the hospital. But uh, I would trust in this situation, uh, Gordon and Mark's experience on this, to get it back. So then the joint is reduced, x-rays are taken to ensure that there's no fracture. If there's a structural fracture, whole different ball game, you're talking major surgery out for the season. So elbows reduced, ligament damage, but no bone damage. Then, all right, it's a period of rest. Let's let the soft tissue settle down, get some preliminary healing. And then similar to what we talked to with Matt, slowly restoring range of motion on that joint. Can they get muscle activation? More importantly, can I get protective sensation? Because that elbow is going to be at risk, especially in that that hands out extended, that first 20, 30 degrees, when they're taking that punch block from the offensive lineman. That's when they're at greatest risk. And if they get through that phase, then they could work to more aggressive strengthening and clutching, grabbing activities. These injuries are anywhere from 3 to 12 weeks, and we don't know where, uh, in Danny's case, whether it's 3 or it's 12. Talking about Danny Trevathan, the uh, horrific uh, elbow injury suffered last week's 
Detroit Lions game. Great stuff. Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph joining me this week again, filling in for Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cashel. Time now for our Ask the Doctor segment, always popular here on Sports Medicine Weekly, giving our listeners the opportunity to have our doctors address their specific sports injury issues. If you want to get involved, it's very easy. Go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, and on our homepage, look for the picture of Dr. Brian Cole and yours truly, and you can click on that link and ask the doc a question. Just send in your questions. Got a couple good ones. Dr. Chuck, you ready? I'm always ready, Steve. All right, here we go. Question number one. It says, you talked about visceral fat on the show a few weeks ago, obviously referring to Dr. Brian Cole, who I did the show a few weeks ago. Can you clarify how this is different from the everyday concept of fat, and does it pose a different kind of risk? You know, it really does, Steve. It's actually, you know, I think we say inherently fat is fat, but really it's the location of that fat that really has epidemiologic uh, risk. And so certainly we say that the people that have, quote, that belly fat, which is almost more common in men uh, than women, and usually you see it in patients who have diabetes and issues where they basically have that big abdomen and still may have normal hips and may not have excessive fat in their hips or the thigh or their buttock. Unfortunately, those people with, quote, belly fat or what we really commonly say is visceral fat are at much greater risk for uh, uh, cardiovascular disease and heart attack and issues along that lines. And so really in, in patients who are, are diabetic or have other medical conditions, that's really a measure of cardiovascular health is the presence of belly fat and, or that uh, uh, visceral fat. And usually it's not that that fat is any dramatically different than fat around your thighs, around your butt, but certainly it just has a greater risk. And so certainly if you can eliminate or lower your percentage of visceral fat, you're, you're improve, improving your overall cardiovascular health and really extending your life potentially. All righty. Great stuff. Uh, question number two from one of our listeners asking you this. Doc, is it possible to target specific areas of the body for fat loss? You know, Steve, I wish it was true because I would have followed those prescriptions years and years <laughs> right. ago. Unfortunately, it's never worked for me. No, no, it, it still comes down to calories in, calories out. Now, certainly there's genetic differences of where we deposit fat. And like we talked about in that last question, some uh, some people have a greater tendency to deposit in their visceral area. Some people have a greater propensity to put it in their in their thigh or in their buttocks or their or the back of their arms. So that's a little bit different in everybody. Your Our role in life is to try to decrease our percentage of body fat, improve our our percentage of lean muscle mass. And so the better that ratio, that lean muscle mass relative to fat is really what determines health and fitness. And so when you hear about it, the NFL combine or or the NBA combine, we always talk about percentage of body fat and we equate that with the level of fitness. And when we see some of our high school or young college athletes, when they convert from that high school body to that professional body, we see their body fat go from 12 to 15% or down to that 6 to 8%, and even in extreme areas, down to that 5%. And, uh, boy, I remember we used to call that spot reducing, right? Remember people ask, can you spot reduce? That's the same thing, isn't it? Uh, I think nowadays we call that liposuction. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Let me get another one in here for you, Doc, before we uh, move on and take a break. Uh, is one form of cardio better than another? This comes from another one of our listeners. Well, I, it's not that one form is better than the other. And, and certainly, uh, Dr. Cole and myself and all our associates involved in sports medicine care, we see patients who are trying to burn, card, or bar, trying to burn fat or, and get their cardiac rate up and burn calories 
Uh, but really, it's the ability to do it in the most efficient manner without injuring yourself. And so, you know, certainly, you know, just a walking three to 400 calories an hour. And really, that's the safest form. And really what we recommend for most of our older athletes or, or people just starting back into a fitness program, the most efficient way of burning calories, obviously to run six to 800 calories a day. But not everybody's joints can handle that or they don't have that fitness level that they can start out and run without, quote, getting an overuse injury of their knee or their ankle or their Achilles tendon. So, and really, the, the best way, whether it be cycling or elliptical training or rowing, is number one, can you do it sustainably without getting injured? And number two, can you do it with the correct technique? And so, these are things that you discuss, uh, you know, with your advisor, whether it be a fitness advisor or a personal trainer. Certainly, if you have concerns with your primary care, your orthopedic surgeon, our primary sports, sports medicine physicians, to give you what's the best prescription of, 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 of activity in improving your fitness level. Doc, thanks so much for uh, for being with us here on uh, Sports Medicine Weekly. Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph, longtime head team physician with the Chicago White Sox and also one of the team physicians with the Chicago Bulls. Appreciate it, Doc. And proud to be an occasional fill-in host on Sports Medicine Weekly. You do a great job, absolutely. When we come back, I'll be rejoined by Dr. Brian Cole. We're going to visit with... Uh, Woman, Joanne Grazer. Now, vetting your fitness professional, the fitness industry is not regulated. She is the president-elect to the Pilates Method Alliance. We'll talk about uh, vetting your fitness professional. So stay with us. Sports Medicine Weekly continues with more after this on 670 The Score.